This is the Internet Bowlers Podcast, Episode 84. This is the Internet Bowlers Podcast with your host, Michael Pasha, the show for internet entrepreneurs who want to learn how uncertainty and struggle turn into confidence and success. Welcome to the Bowlers Circle. Thanks for listening and welcome to the Baller Circle. I'm Michael Pasha, the host of the Internet Ballers podcast, and today I'm excited to welcome Kieran Ravindra to the Baller Circle. Kieran's company, Carbon Trim Solutions, is a manufacturer and retailer of high-end carbon fiber accessories that he founded during his junior year in high school after a long search for the perfect carbon fiber phone case. Wanting high-quality, pure carbon fiber cases and accessories, Kieran found nothing that suited his taste. He's set to fill the gap in the marketplace and develop the world's first 100% carbon fiber case. I'm happy to have Kieran on the show to talk about his business because he's really crushing it in the marketplace. And I know he has a lot of great tips for uh, those out there who are looking to do the same thing. So Kieran, how are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. So the first thing I want to know, Kieran, is uh, you know, you, you really were able to start this business at such a young age. Um, the thing that's that's that I think is pretty awesome is... I'm curious to know like what your life was like growing up and uh, how you got to the point where you uh, decided to become an entrepreneur at such a, such a young age and as a junior year in high school. Yeah, uh, we can take that way back, actually. Um, <laughs> uh, so I got a good story for you there. Um, I was born in Boston and then lived in Atlanta for a little while, but I grew up here in South Carolina uh, for most of my middle school, high school age. And um, in high school... I didn't really fit in. I didn't enjoy school. Uh, I wasn't a great student, despite the fact that I'd been placed into uh, one of the most elite uh, math and science programs. I found that I was kind of on the lower end of that, so I just it, I hated school. But you know, I could apply myself in certain ways. Uh, but as I kind of progressed through school, all of the creative things that I had enjoyed about you know elementary and middle school just started falling away, and I saw more emphasis on just repetitive work, you know, to, to emulate the workplace eventually, uh, essentially. And I just started hating it more and more. So I had a lot of outlets um, that I would spend my time in um, away from school. And one of those was uh, raising freshwater shrimp in these aquariums. And um, I really enjoyed looking at them and, and keeping these aquariums. And at this point, I was like 14, like my freshman year of high school. And um, I realized I was paying somebody else on the internet like five, six bucks for these little shrimp. Uh, and they were pocketing all of that. And if I could figure out how to breed them in captivity, then I could sell them and do the same. And they have like 30 little shrimp babies at once. Um, so I set out to do that, and eventually I got to the point where I was selling these uh, and making a few hundred bucks a week doing this as a high schooler. Nice, nice. That sounds good, man. So, I, you know, you have this this vision, uh, and you're, you know, clearly entrepreneurial from from a very young age, and you you decide to go out there and you see an opportunity in the marketplace. How did you translate that into? I guess this this new concept of building out, uh, I guess the carbon fiber phone case. How did you think that that was something that could work? Yeah. So basically, I started learning all of the the essentials of having a business, not necessarily entrepreneurship, 
but just how the flow of of getting customers, introducing them, and then closing them to a sale uh, should go. And that experience over a couple years in high school uh, really formed some of the the principles that we really continue to use today for carbon trim. Uh, you know, starting with the emphasis of great marketing, which was very different but translatable eventually uh, to carbon fiber, uh, and also just how we took care of our customers, or how I personally took care of my customers then. Um, so, long story short, other people on these hobbyist forums were selling these same shrimp strains with just horrible cell phone pictures and just, you know, a block of text and since I had the time and effort to put into it because I enjoyed it and I had plenty of time in high school I started really putting effort into marketing them as a business <clears throat> and you know taking high quality photos uh, really reaching out to customers and and uh, you know placing myself in the forums where these people were as a hobbyist as well uh, and really understanding my market there and that translated down the road for carbon trim when I got into that Okay, sounds good. That makes sense. So you get this idea, you, you look out in the marketplace for a uh, carbon fiber phone case, you can't find anything out there, you decide to create your own. Uh, then how do you go from there? How, how did you come up with the first design? And what, what are kind of the pieces that you had to put together before so you could have that first, I guess, uh, you know, the first product? Product, yeah. So <clears throat> I started out just saying I wanted to get into carbon fiber. I saw carbon fiber everywhere, you know, on, on websites and Facebook and, and people wanting to buy everything out of this material, whether it be, you know, a MacBook case or a front splitter for your car or a pen or something. Uh, and so I decided to jump into this and say, all right, I've got some money saved up. I want to sell something made of carbon fiber. The obvious choice is to start with cars. So I started looking at, you know, how much does it cost and, you know, what's required to, develop a product for, say, an AMG Mercedes, like an, an exterior like wing or splitter or something. And pretty quickly, I realized that that's going to be way too cost prohibitive because you'll be paying $10,000 for a mold uh, and then you know more to actually produce each individual product. So at this point, I took a step back and I realized, all right, not everybody has these cars anyway. And there's such limited production numbers comparatively uh, for what you get out of it. Uh, what's something, some other accessory that people want that's made of carbon fiber or that could be made of carbon fiber uh, that I could sell for, for less? And I, after taking a step back, I realized there were no full carbon fiber cases on the market uh, because it'll, it'll block your signal if you cover the entire phone. Uh, and so to, to lead into your question about how, how did I come up with the design, uh, it's really anybody who's seen our cases knows that they're cut out on the top and the bottom. Um, that's really a blend of form and function uh, because I found where the antenna are on the iPhone 5 at the time, uh, which if you remember that design had these little glass panels at the top and bottom, and that's where the antenna were of the phone. So I found a way to expose most of that, uh, those areas of the phone, uh, which would allow signal to pass through it, but still keep, a, you know, predominantly carbon fiber design uh, on the rest of the phone. And that's how I ended up with that cutout design. Um, and from there, it was a matter of finding a manufacturer, uh, which I can also go into if you want. 
Yeah, yeah. But before we before we go into that, because that, that's definitely something I want to go into. But I'm think, thinking about this process that you're going through with the design. Did you have to like talk to any engineers? Did you just figure all this out on your own? Like, how, what what happened there? Well, that kind of went hand in hand with the manufacturers. Mm-hmm. Uh, most factories that are going to make a product like this, especially in another country, have all of that in house. So it's more of a matter of this is what I want to make. You guys figure out how to do it for the most part. Um, okay. I had some basic kind of engineering and, and CAD design experience uh, from some engineering classes in high school, which was also very helpful. Uh, but looking back, uh, I can't say that I would not have been able to do it without that. So I wouldn't let that discourage anybody who's who's listening to this and, and wants to you know, engineer a product but think that they don't have the skills. Okay. So if you want to engineer a product, you can reach out to a manufacturer and they have processes to help you uh, finalize your design. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, and there are pitfalls, you know, there too. Uh, you don't want to give too much to a factory that you're not sure you trust yet or that you actually want to work with. Uh, so it's something you have to approach with caution. Uh, but for something as simple as this, which was basically just a cutout on a, on a pretty typical design, uh, it didn't really require that much is what I'm saying. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, let's go into the manufacturing and, and uh, I guess, really, you know, finding channels to sell your product and and to the point that you were able to actually get something to the market. Yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll go over kind of what I usually do on, on this uh, topic, uh, which is Alibaba is king. Uh, at this point, pretty much everybody knows what it is for being the largest IPO in history. Um, but a few years ago, uh, it was not nearly as big as it is now. I mean, it was, but not in the in the U.S. market, at least, where people would would know what it is if you if you ask them. So. Alibaba is, as everybody listening to this probably knows, uh, is a marketplace uh, that connects predominantly Western buyers, meaning, meaning companies, to Asian, for the most part, suppliers in China and Taiwan and other countries. Um, it's gotten a lot better over the years. It used to be uh, a pretty tough thing to kind of navigate, and there were some some issues there, but that, for the most part has been cleared up since their IPO because they had to really kick it into high gear for that. Basically, uh, what you want to do is find a manufacturer that makes a similar product. So say you want to make some sort of uh, inflatable pool accessory, as an example, uh, but it's unlike anything else that's on the market in terms of shape or design. Uh, You want to start by finding manufacturers that make other inflatable pool-related stuff. Uh, And the key here is finding manufacturers that understand the processes and solutions for making uh, a particular type of product, not that they necessarily make what it is that you want, because it's, if it's a novel product, they're not going to have that. So in, in my case, this was finding other factories that made other uh, carbon fiber accessories, just miscellaneous things, and then realizing, okay, they have the capability of making a much larger part. Uh, scaling that down into a smaller product isn't going to be a problem. Uh, and then what I do is what I like to call the 1262 method, uh, where I will find 12 manufacturers for any product, uh, and then reach out to them and say, all right, this is what we need. We're willing to pay this much for it in this amount of time, uh, in this quantity. And then very quickly, you're going to eliminate them down to six because some of them are not going to reply back, or you're just going to get a bad feeling from them. Uh, and it's just not going to be ideal. Uh, and that's okay because there are just so many manufacturers available uh, to people who are looking to make a product in 2017. Uh, 
Uh, and then you're going to end up with, with six, you know, of those. Maybe it's because their communication is clearer, whether that be, you know, English skills or whatever language you're looking to speak. Uh, it's just going to be an easier uh, communication throughout transactions. Uh, or maybe they're trying to sell you something else instead, and that's kind of a red flag when you're just starting out. Uh, but whatever it is, you'll eliminate them down to six because you can eventually really only end up with one. Uh, and then of those, order samples from the six, and then pick the top two of those uh, that have the most satisfactory samples in terms of quality or shipping time. Uh, you're going to have to take all these things into account. Uh, and then from there, take those top two, and then the final step is really going to be seeing who can come up with the better price uh, and kind of pit them against each other and say, you know, okay, these other guys will do it for $2.30 instead of 275 you know if you can go lower than that then then I'll do that with you uh, and that's pretty much all there is to that it's not nearly as it's a it's a pretty standard transaction really okay. uh, today uh, it's really not as complicated as as we would expect okay sounds good yeah it sounds pretty straightforward I guess the one piece in there when I'm, I'm thinking about that and I was like if I were to do this how did you determine uh, if, if you're gonna propose to them hey I want a product that cost X amount of dollars I'm assuming you did some sort of market analysis to figure out what you could sell it for, whatever margins you want. How did you figure out that number? Yeah, so that's a that's a good question. Uh, and you know, to be honest, I was still in high school. I just kind of came up with a number, okay. uh, and that was, that was kind of based on what would I pay for it, and then you know, a kind of focus group of just random people who I know. Hey, if someone was selling this product, what would you be willing to pay for it? And you know, there were other cases on the market that were similar in terms of the, the marketing vibe, if you will, uh, that we were going for. And, you know, I kind of based mm -hmm. it off of that. Uh, but a good note is, uh, looking back on it, I kind of lucked out with, with that figure because basically with our product manufacturing costs, we can afford to spend a pretty solid amount based on the margin that I'm, I'm comfortable with, with making per product. Uh, we left enough in there uh, to account for marketing expenses. And that's just not something that I was thinking of in high school when I was just getting started in e-commerce. I didn't think, I didn't even probably know then what a cost per acquisition was. I wasn't, you know, keeping in mind, all right, you're going to have conversion rates that are way lower than you expect and you're going to be paying money for, for keywords that you don't actually need. Uh, and I'm glad that it worked out that way. But basically, say you want to sell a product for $10 and you're willing to make a 50% margin at the end of the day and it costs you $2 to make it, then that only leaves you $3 uh, to spend on marketing per sale in order to, to make any sale and keep a 50% margin. Uh, 50 to 60 is a, is a pretty decent margin for e-commerce these days, uh, less if you're doing something like drop shipping, but um, keep that in mind and then work backwards from what I just said uh, to kind of come up with a price and then tweak it, you know, so it's to the nearest nine or whatever to, to look pretty. Nice, nice. I like that. All right. So so let's talk about the marketing piece. So you develop this product, you, you decide to sell it. How did you how do you get it to your customers? Yeah. So this is going to be a really interesting aspect of this particular interview because that has changed so much. And, you know, when we kind of start talking about what kind of struggles we've faced, that's going to be at the very top of the list. Um, in 2013, when we launched, Instagram was very, very different. Uh, 
uh, and I was, you know, pretty familiar with Instagram uh, because I just used it a lot as a high schooler, and I also saw the marketing potential in it. This was kind of in the the peak of influencer marketing, uh, where you would just pay for shutouts and you would start making sales and watching money roll in. Um, and it's very, very different today. So what I'm about to to say when we were just starting out is no longer applicable at all, really. Hmm, okay. um, which is unfortunate, right? But it leads into, you know, kind of having to adjust and adapt to the market. Um, but, the you know, this part stays the same. I decided that we were going to start all of our social media ahead of time and start gaining followers that way through general content marketing where we would post some pictures of cars, uh, which was just a related aspect of our lifestyle component of the brand, uh, and then the actual products themselves and say, we're going to be selling these uh, you know, give us your input on these. What do you think of these? And follow us and sign up for an email list uh, to be alerted when they're available and we'll give you a discount. And it was very easy. And if I could do it again, I could do it much better if I could go back in time. And I think we all could, knowing what we know now. But at the time, I don't think anybody really realized what a goldmine social media, or particularly Instagram, before all the algorithm changes. <laughs> so, you know, we had probably... A thousand followers by the time uh, I was ready to launch, and to put it into perspective, uh, of those thousand followers, within the first month we did almost five figures, and, and we were only halfway through a month because it was October and we started at the end. So that those are crazy numbers. I mean, that would just never happen today, um, which is unfortunate. But I was lucky to kind of get in at that particular time. Uh, then, but regardless, if you're going to be running a pre-order for a product, it's really critical to involve your, you know, future potential customers uh, in the process and make them feel like they're really watching something evolve, whether that's the brand or the actual product itself, uh, and and that remains the same to this day. Okay. So how did you figure out? Because I've I've seen the some of your Instagram posts and you know you're posting with supercars and and cool things like that, which I, I thought was uh, was really 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 smart to do. How did you come up with that idea? Was it just because you know you, you see already seeing that carbon fiber is part of these this this sort of luxury these luxury items anyway? Yeah, for the most part, and then also you know just observing the fact that a lot of posts of exotic cars on Instagram at the time. We're including things like the hashtag carbon fiber in in their posts. And mm. you know, that alone is is enough relation to say, all right, you know, these people are, are looking for this type of product. We can market to them in the exact same way. Right. Okay. Sounds good. So someone let's say and, and you just talked about like, you know, kind of some stuff that doesn't work anymore, uh, certain aspects of things that do work. Let's say you were starting your company today and you were trying to come up with a strategy to to market, what would you do? Yeah, uh, so I personally wouldn't do anything different, right? If I did it okay. today uh, at the time, knowing what I did then, I would just do the same thing, trying to you know, build a, a, a customer list on Instagram and other social media networks. Um, but here's the thing. If you do that today, you're not going to get the same kind of traction that we did then just because the algorithms are so different. Uh, and people have become, and, and this is something that I want to touch on that I don't think as many people uh, keep in mind people are more aware of the fact that they're constantly being sold to every time they get on social media today, more than ever. Even just a few years ago, people were not as aware of this. Um, and that's something to keep in mind. So if 
I were talking to somebody who's starting a similar company, e-commerce company today, I would say do the same thing. Start all of your social media and, and have a site ready ahead of time and start trying to engage with potential customers. Uh, and that's that's always going to remain the same. There's There's no way to get around that. Uh, but at the same time, instead of just relying on that to validate your idea, uh, also start running some ads to it, whether it be Facebook in order to you know just check click-through rates or same thing on AdWords. Uh, that's a little tougher because you're not actually selling something yet. Um, but getting you know a thousand impressions, just you know that's very easy for a few dollars. Uh, and checking how interested people are in it through click-through rates and other uh, numbers, you'll be able to get a better idea of what people are willing to pay uh, and, and kind of go from there. Okay, awesome. So uh, what channels are you selling your products through? So right now we just sell on our own website and Amazon. Um, I've you know kind of dabbled with wholesale in the past, and in certain you know products, it's a great route to go. Uh, but in this particular realm where we're selling a single, you know, relatively low volume in comparison to other products with a high price, it doesn't really make sense for us to go that route. So 90% of our sales are from our own site and the other 10 come from Amazon. Okay. All right. Sounds good. So when you were, when you were going through all these, you know, situations in your business and trying to build it up, what were some of the struggles that you had? What are some things that you may have tried that just, just didn't work out the way you thought it would? Yeah, so here's the thing. I was very naive when I started this company, partially just because of my age and then the fact that I hadn't, you know, done anything like this before. So some people may, you know, not have that first aspect because they're just older and wiser by nature of life. But uh, regardless, if you don't have any experience in e-commerce in the past, then it's all going to be new to you. Um, like I was saying, one of the biggest issues uh, that we've faced over the years are the constant algorithm changes from Instagram and Facebook. Um, given that that was one of our highest selling channels, um, and let me just put that into perspective, I had a group of pages that we would pay for shoutouts, um, and most of them were in the 500,000 to 1 million follower range. Um, we used to do dozens of shout outs per week and every single one every single time they were posted on a million follower page we would make 30 conversions and you can do the math when our average order value is $90 that was crazy because the the cost per acquisition there was like basically free um and that really changed pretty quickly if, if we did that today you just wouldn't see the same numbers which is unfortunate but that forced us to adapt and change one the methods that we use to push our products in front of viewers, and then also you know in terms of the channels that we're we're marketing on, whether it be pay per click, Instagram ads, or Google AdWords, and then also the actual content. Uh, so we've done a lot of video work, which has helped a lot in keeping people more engaged, uh, and rather than just static images. Okay. Okay. So what does your company look like? How many people are involved in this? Yeah, so I run all of the day-to-day -day operations and logistics and all of the manufacturing, and I still do a lot of the fulfillment myself. Um, I keep all of our uh, inventory at my parents' house. They have a lot of spare space where we can store that. Uh, and then my parents actually uh, are in charge of fulfillment, uh, nice. <laughs> which is 
which is great. Uh, and you know, they've been involved in this from the beginning. Um, so that's actually worked out really well and they enjoy it as well. So this has really become a family business. Um, then I have somebody who does uh, site administration and web design, um, which I'm pretty closely involved in as well. Uh, it's more of, you know, all right, I'll design, you know, this particular page and then I have limitations in, in terms of what I can do for actual custom coding and things. So that gets moved on. So really having somebody for, for general administration and, and emergencies. Uh, and then I also have someone who does our social media. So, um, all of the hourly posts um, on Instagram and other networks. I don't do that myself anymore because it just takes too much time. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome, man. I'm glad your parents are involved and and uh, you have a great team to, to support you in your business. So, you know, working in this space and, and being around other entrepreneurs, I'm sure you've seen other people who have tried to start e-commerce businesses, sell various products, get things built, and just not see the same success that you've seen. What do you think has set you apart uh, and has made you really as successful as you have been. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing here, and it's not going to be a popular answer, is luck plays a part in it. Uh, there was certainly work involved, uh, but the timing of it was just right. There was nothing like it on the market, like the products that I intended to bring to the market at the time. Uh, and by getting in at that exact moment, intersecting with this boom of Instagram marketing, uh, which, mind you, uh, was a result of Instagram themselves not necessarily realizing uh, the potential that they had to actually get smart and charge people like us for ads uh, on a pay-per-click basis. Uh, that combination was really crucial. Uh, now, looking back, that has allowed me to you know, kind of have better insight into what to look for in terms of you know, what makes a good time to get into something? What makes a good product at this particular moment based on, on trends and, you know, people's buying behavior in 2017 versus 2010? Um, but, you know, in that regard, hindsight is, is always 2020. Uh, so really, experience is the number one teacher in this field where you make mistakes uh, and then also you make successes by chance sometimes and learning from those equally and realizing both are a key aspect there. Okay. Um, awesome. Yeah. So I, I know you have, uh, I know you have some new products that you've been working on and some things you develop. What, what's the current product line look like? Yeah. So, uh, as you know, we started with our cases and that was our flagship product because we were the first in that particular field. And then we started moving to some smaller lifestyle accessories uh, starting with the money clips that we sell. And those are a pretty generic product, to be honest. Uh, but they fit in with what we sell, and they make sense. So we added those as our second product, uh, probably early 2014. Um, and then we started moving into carbon fiber license plate frames, uh, which has actually been a great thing uh, in terms of, of volume uh, and makes a great upsell. Uh, and then from there, uh, I decided, okay, and this is this is when we go back to talking about kind of engineering of products. I should have mentioned this before. Uh, being aware of the manufacturing process has helped me a lot when it came to developing our flex carbon line because that was another industry first where we took real carbon fiber, the same type that's used in our cases, but people are used to seeing it as a rigid panel rather than a fabric sheet. But all carbon fiber starts as this fabric sheet. 
So I found a way that we could take those same sheets and then coat them uh, with a flexible finish rather than a hardened resin, which allows us to treat them as a textile good essentially and stitch them together into our wallets and keychains. So what you end up with is a flexible product uh, that's still real carbon fiber and, and almost feels like a, a leather or cloth good. Uh, so those were our, our third releases, I guess, with our flex carbon wallets and keychains. Uh, and then just a few months ago, we started our CTS Lite line, um, which was a, a result of listening to customers for years uh, asking for more protective cases. And it was something that I put off for a long time because that would mean that it couldn't be full carbon fiber anymore. Uh, but you know, the lesson there is listen to your customers cause they're the ones paying you. Uh, and that has quickly become one of our best selling products. Uh, and of course we just released the iPhone, uh, eight and iPhone 10 cases this past week, uh, which is great because the great thing about this particular business is it has a cyclical cycle where every two years or every year Apple releases an S model or a brand new phone and we're able to you know get repeat customers and convert new customers uh, in that particular rush of the year which is great nice nice I like that so Kieran I'm really happy to have you on the show you provided some really good insight you clearly know what you're doing uh, clearly very very successful uh, so I wanted to know before we close out how can the baller circle get in touch with you and learn more about your business and products Sure. Um, our website is carbontrimsolutions.com if you want to look at our products. Uh, and if you're interested in getting in touch with me, uh, my personal Instagram is Kieran at underscore Ravindra. Or sorry, at Kieran underscore Ravindra. Um, and I try to answer my DMs on there at least a few times a week. Uh, and that's probably the best way to get in touch with me. All right. Sounds good. Well, Kieran, thank you very much. And uh, yeah, have a great day. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being awesome and joining us on another episode of the Internet Ballers podcast. Be sure to listen next week where I'll be sharing another story of yet another inspiring Internet baller. In the meantime, you can check out the blog post for this episode as well as listen to other episodes of the Internet Ballers podcast at www.internetballers.com. Again, I'm Michael Pasha and happy marketing. Thanks for listening to the Internet Ballers podcast. Through our guest stories, you will learn the path to go from struggling entrepreneur to internet baller. We'll see you on the next episode.